You know, that last chorus that we sing, it really just talks so much about the depth of our God. It's not something casual. It's something that goes so deep because it touches our very soul. That love connection, that relationship that ties into us, it's not casual by any means. That really is where the strength of the church is. It's in the intimacy with our God. Things change all around us all the time. I was sharing with the uh, prayer group on Tuesday morning about after the resurrection, the New Testament church was being birthed and nobody really knew how to do it. There wasn't a manual. There wasn't seminars to go to. There wasn't someone who had written a book. But what was happening was the New Testament church was forming. They didn't have the New Testament written word to go to because they were writing it. The inspiration of the Holy Spirit was bringing it about so that when Paul and Others were brought in before the high priest and different times they would be beat, different times they would face persecution. Sometimes they'd be jailed and locked up and all because they preached in the name of Jesus. And when you think about it, that time where Paul begins to teach and the transition takes place where everybody knew him as Saul, the persecutor of the church, And now he's the one that the anointing of the Holy Spirit's moving on. And he starts speaking and sharing what God puts in his heart. Remember, he didn't walk with Jesus for three, three and a half years. Peter did. And we know the anointing that was upon him that God used him for. But here was an outsider. He knew religion. He knew the Old Testament teachings. And now when he had an encounter with Christ, his eyes were opened and everything he had known in the past was now becoming alive. There there are people in our world out there that have some old religion. They've got something that's tucked away in their memory. I run into people all the time that there was some point in their life that they had a relationship with God or they went to vacation Bible school or they went to Sunday school, but different things happened in their life. Some people, divorce happened. And when that happened, they just pulled away from God because of the hurt that was there in the relationship they were going into. And then at times the church didn't offer much support for those folks and so they went other places. They looked for people to surround them and they found folks that would love on them but they weren't being magnifying the name of the Lord. They weren't being edified. They weren't being built up. The early church wasn't sure what to make about Paul. (laughs) He had been the guy who had been trying to kill them, who had drugged them out in the streets and had them beaten and crucified and all kinds of persecution and now he had an encounter with Christ. The hard part for me is when I run into people that are adult age that have never had one encounter with Jesus Christ and there are lots. I did a funeral today for a man who was 48 years old. Never 
had been into a church. He and his wife had been married down at the courthouse. No relationship with God at all. None. And as I stood there ministering to the family, it was like they had never heard anything that I was trying to say to them. They were listening. There were some that their hearts were open, but it was just something completely brand new because they were in the same boat he was. Our world in some parts, right here in our own community, has no revelation of Jesus, no revelation of God, and we have the privilege of sharing it with them. We have the privilege of being the Jesus that they will see. We will be there to love them, to encourage them. And we, if need be, will stand before them and say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry the church. I'm sorry a Christian. I'm sorry a pastor ever made you feel that way. But Jesus Christ loves you. We get to do that. We get to be there. And while there are great moves of God that are happening in many parts of the earth, there are still very dark spots in other parts of the world that have never had an encounter with Christ. And we get to be there. I want you to think of yourself just like Peter. I want you tonight to think of yourself just like Paul as he would stand there and get the revelation that our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit that Jesus Christ is our high priest. You know, that had to be a big shocker for Caiaphas. Here he was, the high priest, and all of a sudden, according to Paul, you don't have a job anymore. I'm sure there was unemployment before then, but he just lost his job. Jesus became our high priest. He was there to be the advocate between us and God. And there did, not, there did not seem in the natural to make any sense to anybody about how one person, Jesus, could go to the cross and do so much in one moment. One moment in time changed absolutely everything. And so when times come that you're ministering to people that seem hard-hearted, seem that they're not interested, seem that they're not looking for anything, I want you to know all it takes is one moment with Jesus on the road to Damascus to change a destiny. And you may be the Jesus that God will use to be on that road to Damascus and help them to see for the first time that Jesus Christ is Lord. Tonight, I want to encourage you to be a giver. I want to encourage you as we go into this moment in teaching to take a look at what you already do and realize that it's time for all of us to ramp it up just a little bit more in the idea of giving beyond, about the idea of sacrifice and servanthood that comes in just because he's worthy. He's worthy. Look in John chapter 3, verse 15, as well as 16. Sometimes we, we just hang on 16 here, but look at 15. Jesus is talking and says, And whoever believes in him should not perish, 
but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. He's talking to folks that are trying to understand being born again. Doesn't even make sense to them. They start to speak up and say, well, how can a man be born again? He can't enter back into his mother's womb. You know, in the natural, that sounds mighty silly, doesn't it? Be born again. And yet he makes it very clear here that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. These bodies, they wear out, they perish. These bodies are attacked by different things that are going on out in their, our world. And yet God looks at us and wants us to get this revelation that we are spirit beings that live in this body and our spirit is never, ever going to lose the power of God. We may be attacked in the spirit, just like our bodies are attacked in the natural. But we have not only an advocate with the Father, we have the Spirit of God living in us. And so when you start to soup that up in your mind, you start to get excited about it and think, wow, this is me. I am filled with the power of God. I'm not somebody out here who doesn't make any sense. I was looking at Father's Day cards today when we had finished up everything here. We had stopped at the store. One of them said, make sure, you know, it was saying to the father on this card, it says, I'm so glad you're my father because if you weren't, I wouldn't be here and my wife wouldn't have me to be her husband and she'd be married to some loser out there. Uh, you know, I got to tell you, we, we got to make sure we're not looking at everybody as losers. And yet sometimes, have you ever thought that? Have you ever uh, had someone appear to be somebody who was on the bottom rung of the ladder? Have you ever allowed that thought to entertain your brain that says, I'm so glad I'm not like them? It happened in Scripture. We get tempted with those kind of thoughts from time to time. If you haven't, those things are out there and people face them. And so we get an idea that we're better than somebody else that's out in our world. But for the grace of God, all of us could be in that situation. God so loved the world that he gave. Giving means to bestow, to grant, to make a present of, to deliver, to impart, to yield, to bless, to give away your word as in a pledge. When you shake hands with somebody, it's not just a greeting. It's just not something casual. But if you're even over a transition that's going on, when you shake hands, there needs to be some kind of a powerful commitment that goes on in your heart that I've just agreed with someone on this situation. Whether you're going to buy something, whether you're going to make a promise to them, you're making your words be more than just words. And sometimes we just blow those off and we say, oh, you know, I just can't do it. It's too hard. I'm going to quit. It's too awkward. It's too this, it's too that. But we have already pledged because we gave something of ourself into that person's life. I believe God wants to raise up folks all around us in every different culture, in every different group, that there would be an attitude that we would look and say, how can I minister to you? How do you receive it? Man, we've had our moments when we've been on mission trips before that we did things that culturally were not very accepted. We've been in places and, and uh, 
for me to think about getting up one time in Peru and going into the kitchen, bringing the lemonade out and asking if I could serve people. The host was just mortified because men don't do that. That's a woman's job. Now you say that in America today and you'll get slapped. But you know, we don't think anything of it, that if we're going to be in the room, if the host has been busy doing something else, there's nothing wrong with getting up and grabbing the pitcher and going and filling up your cup and saying, anybody else need more? But when they understood that that was the way we did things, they were more understanding. But at that same time, we learned an important lesson. We have to learn that in all these different places and peoples that are around us, there is still the need for God, but we have to make sure we're giving God to them where they live, where they think, and what they do. You see, giving from the heart is one of the most empowering acts of your entire life. It can be by giving to your wife, your husband, your children, your parents, your grandparents, your aunts and uncles. It can be those connections. It can be an acquaintance or a neighbor that's next to you. But you're giving from your heart. It costs you something. There is something that goes on here. It's not a casual, oh, you need something? Go ahead and take it. No, no, no. It's from the heart. Wrong motives of giving can be debilitating. They can be something that can pull and zap the strength out of you. If you're doing something to try to get something, it will catch up with you and you'll be weary. You'll be disappointed because you're not seeing things come back to you so quickly. Folks, we know the laws of sowing and reaping, but we don't just give to God so that we can get. We give to God to honor him. After we have honored him, we know his promise that he will sow back into us. But our motive is not just to make sure that we get something. Well, you do that, you can put all the offerings and tithes in that you want to and it's not going to do anything because your heart's not right. This is not a lucky lotto situation. This is not something that we play games with. But when we understand Jesus looking and saying, whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life, for God so loved the world, here was this joint connection with God that had never existed before Adam and Eve. And they had that moment until sin came in. And now God says, you can have it again. Tonight, I want to encourage you to know that no matter how close you have felt to God, he wants to take you in another step. He wants to take you in just a little bit deeper. He wants to take you in just a little bit more intensively to show you his game plan, to show you his purpose and his ideals. Because if we're not careful, we will get so caught up on the end time events that are happening around us, we will not see the peace of God that is there to get you through. And I'm thankful for the rapture, but I'm also thankful to know that until that day comes, God is still more than enough. He is El Shaddai, amen? We just sang about it tonight. He is the great I am. He is the lover of your soul. And when we get that down inside of us, the depth that's there, I think it's something that in the natural seems like it could take a lifetime to figure. But isn't it cool when you see children that love Jesus and they have just so openly opened their hearts to him and they've gotten tender to him? Listen, they have to learn how to get hard-hearted. 
They don't know how because they have a tender heart. Something has to happen to get them hard-hearted. We've got to make sure that that same childlike faith not only continues in them, but starts to come back inside of us. That ability to see this ever-loving God who goes beyond everything that we could ever imagine and brings his glory into our lives. I know it may not be much of a shouting service at the same time. I want you to see the intimacy of our God. Because when you do that, it'll give you the strength to have confidence that the Lord, he is God. And you can see others doing crazy things. You can see people saying in the name of unity that they're gathering together to pray, but there's no unity because they're not worshiping the same God. Go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 10 with me if you would. First Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. First Corinthians 10 and verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Look at it once again. No temptation shall overtake you except such as is common to man. I want you to know in the toughest moment of your life, other people have been there. This is not the first time. As a kid, when we would go exploring, when my mom and dad lived over here on 12th Street before they built the house that they have now, down at the very end of the street, there was a cow pasture down there. And there would be cows in that field. There would be milkweed. Now there's a housing development. Okay? But when we were kids, we'd go down there, and there would be a little barbed wire fence in one area, but there was a gate that Mr. Stone used to get in that field, and he would do what he needed to do. And there were times that we would go exploring and we would get out there in the midst of the high grass and the cows would over, be over in one field. We, we never even thought whether there'd be a bull, okay? But the cows would be in one field over there and we would start marching and we would start walking and we're talking to each other. And I can remember conversations. One of the boys on the street, his name was Scott Bjork and the other boy was Tommy Wilson. And as we would start to go through this high grass and the milkweed and everything else on a hot summer day, we looked at each other, and I'll never forget Scott Bjork looking at both of us and saying, I bet you no one has ever been here before. <laughs> and at that moment, Tommy Wilson looked at us. He said, I bet you Indians were here before. Let's look for Indian arrowheads. And we were down with our heads looking, walking around. We had no idea that some of the cows had wandered over beside us. All of a sudden we looked up and here was the cows. And the gate was over there. And the heads of the cows were as tall as we were. Our imagination said, I bet you we've been the first people to ever be here. Other than the cows. 
I want you to know when temptation hits you, when the enemy attacks, someone else has faced that same temptation. Someone else has, famous, uh, has faced that same attack. And the word goes on here and gets stirred up for everyone who reads it and says, but God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. He knows. Hallelujah. Now, somebody says, well, but pastor, it's been so rough. It's been so hard. How can God be doing this? God believes in you more than you believe in you sometimes. Now, we just need to get our believing caught up with his. He is able inside of us to do all things. He is able to conquer every quest that the enemy brings your way. We need to be so stirred on the inside to know that even in the toughest moment, God says, I can handle this. And the moments we want to throw up our hands and say, this doesn't make sense. This person in my life, they're the biggest thorn that I've ever had. This person has done this, this person, this job, this situation. You don't understand God. And he says, yes, I do. Because he is our high priest. He is the great I am. But with the temptation, we'll also make a way of escape. Glory to God. He's there to get you out of it. He's there to get you through it. He's there to say, this is done and go on in my glory and my power. Hallelujah. I, I don't want to sound negative in this way that sometimes when people are going through huge struggles, we see them die here upon this earth. That's part of the way this gets answered also, that God can deliver and take them into his glory for all the rest of eternity. But there are times that God will deliver us in this earth and keep us here on this earth to go ahead and go out there and move mountains, to stand in the gap and be that voice of encouragement, to stand in the glory of our Father and declare that he is the great I am. You are the one. You are the great one. You are the King of kings and Lord of lords. You see, there are mountains that need to be moved. There are mountains that need some shaking. In 1997, there was an earthquake that took place out in California in San Francisco. It lasted for 10 minutes. Now, with that earthquake that went on at that time, it was nothing compared to what happened in 1906 when $8, billion, or $8 million of damage was done to San Francisco. But what happened was this. There were some mountain ranges and hillsides that they found as they started to do studies after this earthquake happened that these mountains raised up eight inches from where they had been before. Eight inches. That's pretty good. You know, they say that the average step when you're building steps for your porch or even for this stage here are about eight inches. Now think about that. The mountain that had been down here with the base, the base is now up here. There was a structural difference that they could observe. There was something from down below that came up. Sometimes the treasures and the gifts that God has for you may be buried, but it's time for them to come up. It's time for them to be exposed. It's time for them to be up on the tippity top for you to be able to say, there's my answer. There's my prayer request being manifested. There is my glory. God will never let the enemy put more on you than you're able to bear. Satan tries to give you so many things of problems and despair, but God is there to pick you up 
to lift you up and to show you he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hallelujah. God will never let you down. Some say, I know if I can handle certain things, I'll be able to get through it. I have a strong fortitude. Our family, well, we, we're tough people. We, we can make it through a lot. This is talking about more than your own fortitude. This is talking about God developing your character, your faith, your beliefs greater than what you've ever had taught to you before. Maybe your mom and dad didn't let you quit things growing up. They wanted you to know that if you give your word, you follow through with it. All good things. But you know what? God wants to even build on that more. He wants you to know that when he gives his word to you, you can count on it. And when everyone else says to give up, when everybody else says that it will not happen, we must see the answer that is out there more than we see anything else. We've got to see his glory. There was a speech that we heard out at convention, and one of the ladies who was sharing echoed what we had heard one of the first nights from a gentleman who had preached from in Anaheim itself. And he spoke to everybody, and as he looked at them, he said, Never let your dream be limited by what you see right now. Never let your dream be limited by what you see right now. Because sometimes everything is still in the incubator. Sometimes everything is just waiting to be moved like that mountain and be raised up eight inches. Sometimes those things are not seen with our natural eyes, but your dreams and ideas of moving forward should never be limited by just what you see in the natural resources. The natural resources can be limited, but with God, all things are possible. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Uh, let's go back over to Luke here for just for a moment. Luke chapter 6 you know these verses. This is talking about the law of giving in Luke 6 and 38. But it's much more than just with money. It's true that this works with money, but this is talking about our life. It's talking about the way we show the glory of God. And in Luke chapter 6, verse 38, Jesus says, Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Have you ever seen someone in a family that they have just been so strong in their faith for God? And they are sort of the, uh, the senior member of the family. And you see how the glory has touched that family. It's important to understand we need to reverence and appreciate those seniors in our family who have paid a price and got where they are in their faith because of what they have done. But we must also know that we cannot look at them and count on them to do everything for the family. I've watched families see a senior member who's moved on to glory and their family falls apart after that because nobody was praying right now. They didn't take time to train the younger ones how to pray. Get your kids around you. Get your grandkids around you and show them how you pray. Show them how you tarry before the Lord. Show them how you call out on God. Let them see you in an intensive time of seeking out the Lord so that when you move to heaven, hallelujah, and I'm waiting for the rapture just like all of you, but if somebody moves to heaven, we should not be in lack and yet it hits families, it hits churches. Someone goes on, and there is a huge hole. 
we must come up with solutions. We must be a people who have our eyes so fixed on the Lord that we never look at a problem and say, that's that. We've got to be looking saying, God, raise up a prayer warrior. Raise up a servant. Raise up so that it's never an attitude that just says, oh, I got to do all this. I got to do all this. No, we've got to be there saying, I'm going to make sure my family carries it on. I'm going to make sure that the lady who sits next to me in church will carry it on. Because I talked to her and we went out to coffee. And I was telling her how fun it is to intercede before the Lord. She never knew how to intercede because nobody ever taught her. You can hear it, you can see it, and you can have it all around you. But has anybody ever shared their heart with you how to press in in your prayer time? How to press in and see the glory of Almighty God? We've got to know that there is no room anymore for there to be void or lack. There's no room for it. We've got to have the superabundance this word speaks of. And I know you've read it. You probably love it as much as I do. And you've heard every cliche, every idea with it. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God has a measure. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over. There's certain things when you put into a measuring cup that are fluffy. You want to get the full measurement, you pack it down. You want to make sure you've got everything in there. It's not just something you pour in life across and say, well, that looks good. No, 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 you need all of it. We have a God who shakes it together, so much so that it is running over. Hmm. I'll never forget a couple years ago, some of the Wrath kids were over at our house doing some yard work outside for us. And so I had made some Kool-Aid and took it outside to them. And as they started to drink the Kool-Aid, I won't mention any of their names, but one of them said, this is the best Kool-Aid in the world. I said, really? I said, oh, it's just regular Kool-Aid. One of the other ones says, our Kool-Aid never tastes like this. And one of the other ones says, this is really good Kool-Aid. It, it just tastes so good. I want more. I said, well, you can have more. And then a few moments later, I said, well, what do you think's so different? You know, I, I know you've got Moline water. <laughs> We've got Faithland water here. And then one of them spoke up and said, what do you put in your Kool-Aid? I said, well, we put the Kool-Aid packet in there. And my favorite Kool-Aid is green lime Kool-Aid. And I said, but then we put a cup of sugar into the Kool-Aid. One of those kids spoke up and said, we never get to have sugar. <laughs> At that moment, I knew why mine tasted much better. <laughs> At that moment, I was glad it was daytime because they could work that energy off before I sent them home to their mother. She knows why she doesn't give them sugar. What's the pastor do? Give them a cup of sugar in water that's green. We have a God who puts us over the top. And you may not know why it's so, but you know that you love drinking at his well. You love being in his presence. And he will never give you something that will not bless you. He will show you things you have never seen before. He will give you his heart. It'll be given to you running over 
it will be the abundance of our God. The same measure that you use, it'll be given to you. So when you get a chance to praise, are you one of those who, whether you raise your hands all the time or whether you sing loud or quietly, whatever it is, do you worship right away from your heart or do you have to wait a while to get it warmed up? In the wintertime, my dad, when I was growing up, we finally got a tractor that had a plow on the front of it. My dad didn't see any need for it because he said, I have you. You, you shovel it out there, okay? So we got this plow on this tractor, but we had a dipstick heater so that in the cold, cold of winter, in the garage, that tractor would sit there. You put the dipstick heater down in the oil dicks, dips... No, I can't say it. Dipstick shaft, and you plugged it in, and it heated the oil up. When the oil got heated up, it made it, no matter how cold it was outside, that motor started. I'm telling you this, God knows how to get your engine running. He knows how. that You don't have to sit back and say, oh, now that it's finally the fourth song, I'm ready to enter in. Oh, wait a minute, there's only four tonight? Oh. Enter into worship just like that choose to be a worshiper choose to be a worshiper with songs that have musical accompaniment or songs that don't choose to be a worshiper just because he is worthy to be worshiped hallelujah 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 let's stand up together the same measure that you give will be measured back to you the glory of God wants to increase in your life. Now let's increase in our praise to him. Would you join with me? Just feel free to lift up your hands, your heart, and your voice. And let's just take a few moments to love on our God. Hallelujah, Lord. I am so grateful. I am so in awe of the goodness of you. I am so, so thankful for the ways that you've touched me. Lord, take me on your adventure. Use me to be the Jesus of my world to show my Savior, to show my King, to live it out and to give it without limitation. The superabundance that you've given me, let me give it out abundantly to everyone around me. Let me be your hands. Let me be your feet. Let me be your heart. Let me know what you feel when you see the hurting. When you see the people who've never heard your voice or known you even for 48 years. Let me know what you feel for those people. Let me never forget it so that I will never cast my eyes down on someone else 
let me have my world shaken and moving forward that the blessings would be exposed and come up to the top. I shall not be in want. I shall not be in fear. But I shall worship the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can just put your hand on your heart tonight. Father, I thank you for healing flowing through our bodies, that no sickness has a right to be here. I thank you that you're the God of more than enough. El Shaddai, you have changed us by your love. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, amen, amen.